Welcome back to the 30th episode of Chess Journeys, Tales of Adult Improvement. Here on Chess Journeys, we like to capture not only the highs of rating gains and growth, but also talk about people's journey as they struggle to, to meet those goals that they want. Sometimes they're in plateaus. Sometimes they're deeper in the pits of despair. Hopefully that's none of you out there. Uh, as we get started today, I do want to remind you, if you want to support the show, you can go to Patreon Chess Journeys. I'd like to thank Terry King, Andrew Perry, Jay Tell, Jay Carrison at the Queen level. Also, there's a new tier available if you want to uh, scrimmage with me and play a rapid game each month. Also, I'm starting to put some videos on YouTube under Dr. Skull. Um, I have my 10 books of 2021 that helped me the most. Of course, sponsored by Chessable. I'm at 29 days and counting. I'm currently working on timeless techniques, strategic end games, and I'm decided to do it. The woodpecker method. That's right. I'm doing it. I'm starting with just the first beginner puzzles. We'll see how it goes. And then I'll move on to the intermediate ones. Uh, if you want to check out aim chess, there's some great stuff happening over there. You can use my code Dr. Skull 30, but all that aside, it's time to get to our guest today. We have Fruji. She is a uh, WFM. She's a chess teacher. She's a streamer. She's a full-time chess personality. And we're very lucky to have her here today to tell us about her journey. So how are you doing today? And have you had a chance to play any chess yet today? Uh, hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Fruji and um, I'm doing well. Thank you very much. Uh, I hope you are doing well too. Um, and yes, actually I have played uh, chess today because um, there, there are these uh, leagues going on. So mm -hmm. I had to farm points for that. <laughs> when you say leagues going on, do you mean online leagues or do you are you in hungary right now um these online chess.com leagues ah uh, okay i think you know about it yes. yeah yeah so what level are you right now i'm on the highest level crystal whoa right oh my right goodness i think for the legend league <laughs> and the wow. champion worst case that's exciting uh the lowest one was wood was that right uh yeah great news I have defeated it. I am now in the Stone League. So that's that's great, amazing. Yeah. We're at, we're at a little different spot in our leagues, but you know, we have maybe we have different goals with the leagues. I don't know, but that's impressive stuff. Um, so before we really get going, can you tell us a little bit about your life situation, just so my viewers sort of know what we're talking about? Uh, do you have a career? Do you have a significant other? Any children hanging around your home? What what's happening in your life? Um, well, um, I, um, I finished with my university last summer and I have a master's degree in psychology, I actually work in the organizational psychology, so it's not the clinical one. And, um, well, I started streaming one year ago and since then, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on that, what I'm streaming and what I'm teaching. I, I started teaching actually a few years ago, but it was some kind of on and off thing I did uh, besides university, but now it's a full-time thing. And well, um, I'm in Hungary right now, and um, in the summers I'm in Greece um, because uh, my partner is from Greece. So um, yeah, uh, that that's... That's how it is. Okay. <laughs> International. So it to me 
like you have um, a lot going on that would make it challenging to do chess improvement. So let me ask you this question. How does streaming and chess improvement work together? Do you feel like they do work together? Do you feel like it makes it really challenging to improve your own game when you're focusing so much on entertaining viewers with your stream? I don't know what your stream like. Mine is the most boring stream ever, and it's a chess improvement stream. And I just go over games to help me, and the viewers are like, this is kind of boring. And I'm like, I know. I imagine that has not been your approach. I don't believe you, <laughs> but, but I will have to check it out to be sure. <laughs> but um, I focus on uh, educational and fun content on my streams. Um, many times I, I play with my viewers. Uh, sometimes we analyze the games. Uh, nowadays, I started teaching end games on my streams, and it was pretty successful. So uh, that was uh, really amazing, and it was good for me because um, I even though I mean even though I knew these end games, um, it's always good to review them. And I wasn't only explaining to chat, but also to myself, so I feel more confident about it. And it's uh, always like that, but um, that um, I, I also try to learn this way. Um, actually, most uh, mostly review these things. And, uh, but um, playing on stream, it's a different thing because uh, I have to focus on entertaining and not, not on the game. Uh, so if, if I have to play a serious game, that will be probably off the stream. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, do you feel like your chess has gotten better, stayed about the same, or sort of declined a bit, spending so much of your time uh, focused on streaming and entertaining viewers? Mm, I think I got more motivated to play chess, mm -hmm. and um, I, I think I was on a, on a higher level before. Um, and my knowledge in chess decreased a little bit, but it was mostly because of the, um, the few years of um, gap that uh, I had there because of the university. I mean, uh, it wasn't a complete gap. It was, uh, it was um, on and off again. Mm -hmm. but Oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I was just going to say, so basically during your university time, it sounds like you really prioritized university and made that your number one mission. And then you were kind of playing chess along the side of that. Yes, yes. But now I'm back and I think um, I have, uh, I, I, uh, I improved a little bit compared to, the, to myself when I wasn't playing chess at all. So... That's good, I think. Nice. Hopefully, hopefully I will keep improving. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to ask you some questions about your improvement. But before we uh, continue that journey, let's let's go back. Let's hear your chess origin story, because if I'm not mistaken from the things I've been reading, it's a rather impressive childhood origin story. So uh, what does it look like for you? When do you pick up chess and how does it go for you? Um, well, I was always interested in chess from, from a young age because I saw my parents playing chess at home. And as a four or five years old uh, kid, I always went there, I want to play too, I want to play too. But they were like, no, it's for adults, it's not for you yet. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Uh, you don't know the moves. You don't know anything about this game. Years, uh, a few years later, you can try it. But in kindergarten, someone came and uh, taught us chess. And I went home very proud that uh, <laughs> I know finally how to play chess and let me play. But I uh, did not start my uh, career there. I, it started actually a few years later when I was eight and my mom brought me to my first tournament, which was actually super cool because in my hometown there were uh, chess boards in the center, uh, in, the, in, a, in a park actually, and we went there and it was really cool. Unfortunately, it's not there anymore. And uh, there was a tournament and I participated and that's, um, that's how I started. That sounds great. And was that a kids tournament or was that just? A, no, it was an adult tournament. Oh, wow. That's cool. How did yes. it go? Did you get crushed or did you actually do all right? <laughs> well, uh, my mom did a, a small preparation for me. She taught me the, uh, the very basic um, um, checkmate. Uh, I forgot the name. I had it on, my, on the top of the tongue my tongue um you know when you bring your queen to f3 and uh, bishop c4 and you try mm -hmm. to threaten checkmate on f7 um scholars mate yes scholars mate okay. yes yeah. <laughs> yes thank you yeah. and um she taught me that and i tried it in every game unsuccessfully <laughs> <laughs> that's great <laughs> okay so did you lose all your games I think yes. <laughs> okay. But that didn't dissuade you. You just thought no. that's fine. This was fun. Yes, okay. it was fun. That's great because that's it's one of the psychological pieces I'm struggling with with my own daughter. She really likes chess, but she really hates losing. Uh mm -hmm. and she's played some online tournaments and you know, she's newer and lost all of her games and it was really hard for her to really mm -hmm. stay motivated despite losing. So it sounds like you didn't have that issue. That's great. So what was your next step? I imagine you did eventually win a chess game. Um, when I started, um, I, uh, I started my lessons with my first uh, coach. After that, um, he, he saw the fire in my eyes, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, yeah, I started um, learning more about chess and I participated more in tournaments, both adult tournaments and or, uh, both uh, uh, tournaments for kids. And I think that on, on, my, on the kid tournaments, I started winning. So that, that's how it went. And um, yeah, I was never, I, I mean, I wasn't afraid to play adult, so I, I participated in both. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. And it sounds like you had quite a bit of success. What, what sort of the biggest thing that stands out during your um, time as a, as a child uh, with chess, was there a big tournament or a big result that stands out or even just a trip where you just remember fondly, like, Ooh, that, that was a really great moment. Um, well, Mm, in each year, there was a Hungarian um, uh, youth chess championship, and I and I was always uh, participating in it. In it, uh, actually, there wasn't only one. There were multiple. There was one for rapid. There was one for classical, and I think uh, it was uh, 
it was a really it was really great that I um, I was always in the top three. Sometimes I even I even won. And um, yeah, that's how I could go to uh, go to abroad to other countries, explore those. That was uh, pretty uh, adventurous and exciting back then. And I, I would say uh, this one. I mean, everything is almost everything is cool uh, when I uh, think about my uh, chess career because um, everything was uh, new and it gave so many opportunities uh, to me, friends, um, travel, success, and um, yeah, I, I improved a lot mentally also because as a kid you learn how to. Uh, handle success and loss as well, defeat, so. Yeah, wow, it sounds like chess gave you so much as a kid. Global travel, life lessons that you've used. Um, yes. I'm, so, I'm so jealous that I retired as champion in fourth grade. I don't know if you know this, I was the world champion in fourth grade. Wow. Or so I thought, because I beat everyone in my class and I just assumed I was the best that there was. And then I just <laughs> another game. Uh, perhaps had I ventured out, I would have known I wasn't the best. <laughs> um, what was your approach to learning chess as a kid? You know, it's one of these things as adults, most of us have like systems and books and all this apparatus built around us to help our improvement. Did you do that as a kid or did you just kind of play chess, listen to your coach and, and have a great time? Mm, well, uh, unfortunately, I cannot say I was a really hardworking student. <laughs> I um, mostly picked up everything from the trainings and from my coach. And when there was a group training and I did listen there always mm, by myself, I mostly did puzzles, but I never actually touched the chess book <laughs> of, of the chess uh, lessons. So uh, that's something I'm not really proud of. <laughs> But um, yeah, well, I think that's it. That's it. And um, also in Hungary, I, I had the opportunity, you know, uh, I didn't always, I, I uh, didn't have only one coach because there were group trainings, uh, team trainings when it was uh, for the team school and my own personal coach. So um, it wasn't, I, I wasn't as lazy <laughs> as I sound. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you had a lot of people helping you on that journey to do your training. But when you were left on your own, you weren't like, I need to really do even more and go get a whole bunch of books. Um, I, I don't really understand the timeline. I'm trying to put my head around this. Was there online chess and were you playing online chess or is this before online chess? Um, well, there was online chess back then, but um, and and I was playing there, but it was completely different than now. So I was playing on a Hungarian chess site, I believe, but there were only Hungarians, or I'm not really sure anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, but it was different. I don't think anyone uses the chess sites anymore. I don't even remember the URL, so. Gotcha. Um, I was just trying to figure out if you augmented your uh, playing time with your training with, with other playing time. Did you play with your parents at all? Were they actually good chess players 
or did they just seem good when you were, you know, eight? Well, um, my mom told me, and also my dad told me that before uh, knowing what it is to be a chess player, they thought they were pretty good. But uh, as I started improving, they realized it's uh, not that simple as they thought. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I did play with them. And um, yeah, I, I uh, practiced also online. So yes, I, I played online even when um, okay. uh, rather than training. So that sounds great. Um, so when did you, we're, we're starting to transition now out of your childhood. When did you reach your peak ratings? Was this before you went to university when you were like, like late teens or uh, how did that work out for you? Well, um, I reached my peak rating when I changed uh, coach and um, he was more professional mm. and um, he he brought me to international tournaments more because be, even before I, I participated in international tournaments, but it was mostly for the youth. It wasn't for the um, for adults. And he brought me abroad uh, in many times. And um, I, I was really hardworking back then. I did everything he asked me to. Mm. And um, I think I was 17 or 18 years old when I reached my peak rating, and that was 2,266. And um, yeah, that's that's when I got my norms. Um, and I, I I think yeah, that that was my peak peak time in chess. Okay. Uh, 17, 18. Yeah. And then what happened there? Did you have any thoughts of like, I'm not going to university, I'm just going to chase norms, and I'm going to become a professional chess player? Or did that just seem so uh, untenable that you were like, no, I need to get a real job and a real education? Like, did you really wrestle with that decision? Yes, actually, because I was uh, close to getting into the Olympic team of Hungary. Uh, I was in the wider uh, team. I never really participated in one, but uh, I did go to um, trainings with them and um, training camps with them. And that's, that's when I uh, thought about becoming a professional chess player. But then um, I realized I really love chess, but there are so many other things I'm interested in. And uh, it, it was really hard to sacrifice all those uh, for chess. And uh, that's when I decided um, I, I will be good uh, with the university and I will, I will uh, improve however I can in, in chess and we see what happens. Yeah, gotcha. And that's such the challenge of the adult person trying to also pursue chess, right? Is that recognition that there are all these things that need to have some level of importance in my life. How do I juggle them all? So real quick, returning to the, to the peak of your glory days, what norms did you get? Um, I got one woman international master norm and I got an, a woman grandmaster norm, norm as well and unfortunately and I, I would have gotten another one 
Oh. But but the issue was that there was no international arbiter on on that tournament, so the FIDE doesn't recognize it as a norm because there was no qualified arbiter on that tournament. But um, I did everything that is uh, required for a norm, just there was not the right person there. Ah, it, that's what <laughs> makes these norms so impossibly frustrating. Like it, it's hard enough to play great chess, right? But yes. then there have to be all these other pieces with it. That, that must've been so frustrating for you. Yes, uh, still is. <laughs> Yeah, I bet. How many norms does it take to reach I to the get the WIM and WGM titles? Mm, three. Three for each. And oh. I have to. And that would have been my third. Oh, that would have been your third. Would have, that would have been your third WIM norm or GM? Um, um, that that was a woman GM norm. Oh wow! Okay. I'm almost almost an international master, <laughs> but that's. So, it sounds to me like you're like this close to making these norms and these titles that you want. So you've gone to university. I hope you had an amazing time, all these great experiences. You have these degrees, you have all these possibilities. You've left the university. Are there any thoughts like now it's time to chase the norms again or where are we now? Um, well, that's a, that's a hard question. <laughs> I, I still haven't decided what to do with this last norm, if I should get it or not. I would be really happy to get it, of course. Uh, but um, I was thinking, you know, um, because I stream chess and I teach chess, and then I will have to do chess in my free time as well. That seems a little bit too much. I love chess, but that seems a bit too much. Uh, but actually, actually, yeah, may, may, that's an option. That's an option uh, still. I, I haven't decided it yet. Gotcha. So that's still an option waiting for you. Yeah. And you're trying to decide, do I fully go for it? Because it sounds like you're acknowledging that if you do fully go for it, it's not a small enterprise, right? You have to kind of like throw all of you into it. Yes. Yes. And I also feel that I'm not on that level yet uh, because of uh, this uh, few years break. And that would be a lot of work. And of, of course, so I, I, will, I will still need to decide. <laughs> okay. Um, let me ask you this. Where do you think you, you talk about that you're worse? Do you feel like your overall play got worse or are you mostly thinking about sort of like the evolution of opening theory and, you know, opening theories gone in different directions than when you last played so seriously? What, what is the area where you're thinking this is where I really need to improve to catch back up to where I was at? Well, um, I think I, I need to uh, improve in everything, but especially in, in openings, because um, I, I could always pick up, you know, how to calculate, how to analyze positions, uh, how to uh, play the end games. But openings are, um, are different because you have to really sit down and, and learn them. Uh, the coach can explain it to you, but you have to sit down and you have to learn it. And um, 
I don't like to uh, learn things by heart. <laughs> and uh, probably that's that's my uh, biggest weakness as well um but yes i probably yes openings for sure that's what i need to improve the most okay. and so you're thinking if i decide to go for these norms i have to do the thing i like least about chess a lot yeah <laughs> yes. that's tough i hear you that's tough um have you used any of these new resources like Chessable to help you with your openings? Yes, I have. I have. I registered and I I also uploaded a few of my openings there, what I have nice. uh, on my computer. And I started learning one, but then I couldn't continue with it. And since then, I didn't continue with it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. You can always go back to it if your streak breaks. Yes. Okay. Yes, I should. I should. <laughs> okay. Well, now you're an adult improver. You you probably don't have a team of coaches anymore. I guess let's start with this question. Do you have any coach right now? Or do you just not have time for that? Right now I don't have any coach, but I'm thinking about getting one. Uh if if I um if I try to uh, get this last norm then i i should get a coach okay so yeah it's it's there i waiting waiting to <laughs> <laughs> yeah this sounds like you're really wrestling with the de this decision i can feel it even right here in this podcast it's, it's tough um okay so you're an adult now how much time a week or day would you say you have to spend on your own improvement like you said you're spending so much time streaming and teaching you probably aren't excited to spend every moment away from that also studying chess. So how much time do you have to study chess? I think um, maybe I, I could uh, study one, two hours a day, um, which, which is uh, possible without getting uh, crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, so maybe two, three, four hours. That's what I would say. Okay, so you feel like that's how much you would need to study to be able to go for the norms. Are you yeah. studying at all right now? Or have you decided it's either I'm either all in doing what I need to do or I'm not studying at all? Or do you study, you know, say like an hour a day? Is there a book you're working on? What are, What does your time look like right now? Um, right now, I review the things I have on my computer because I have a huge amount of uh, chess uh, mm. material on my computer, and I review those like every day, I would say at least half an hour, and I also do my puzzles. Mm, that, that's what I usually do, and if I, I really mess up an opening when I play online, then I, I check that line as well. Mm -hmm. Do you check that in the middle of the stream? Do you say like, hold on, we need to investigate this? Or do you take a note and then, you know, after the stream's over, really go into your files and examine after, it? After the stream. Okay. All right. Because I, like, as a viewer, I myself would love it if you went way into the weeds, into the openings. But I imagine many other viewers would be like, what are we doing? I just wanted to see Fruzy play some fun games. What is she doing right now? So, yeah, that's got to be tough. Okay, so it sounds like you're doing puzzles, you're 
working on your openings where you can, um, not going the full all in on your openings like you know you need to because it's just not where your love of chess is. And then you said you have the, the material on your computers. Is that more end games? Are you focusing more on middle games? Is it like annotated games? What kind of material do you have here? What's in your secret stash? <laughs> I have end games, actually everything, almost everything. I have end games, middle games, and openings as well. Um, I don't know what I have more. Probably middle games. That's what I have uh, on my computer the most. But yes, everything. So it's it's just an opinion, not a real fact. So I cannot say it for sure. Okay. So it sounds like a, like sort of like a complete chess training course that you've gotten from coaches in the past and maybe you've put together from your own teaching, things like that? Yes. Okay. That sounds great. Um, so... It looks like you just had your one year anniversary of streaming. That's what I saw. I just was like, I should check out her stream. And then here it is, the one year anniversary special. I was like, okay, I, I came for the right time. Um, so what got you started? What made you think I finished my university? I'm going to start streaming because I know how hard it is. I did it for about three months uh, over a summer and it was the hardest summer I ever did. How have you been doing it for a year? What got you started? Mm, well, I wasn't sure I wanted to start streaming <laughs> because um, I I wasn't sure I was capable of speaking uh, to people on the internet uh, without being shy or being entertaining because that's also important to be entertaining online. And um, so I was convinced my, by my... Um, friend and um, he said that I should try it out uh, because there are a lot of uh, chess players out there and I'm also a woman with a master so people would follow me and um, I will learn the rest <laughs> so I, I said okay let's give it a try and then I started liking it because uh, I have an awesome community and it, it was always a pleasure to uh, speak with them and uh, be with them. So that's how I stuck with it. Stuck with it. I uh, got stuck with it. <laughs> and um, yeah, the hardest summer. Yes, I can. I can say that it was a hard summer. Uh, but I still tried to um, stream whenever I could. That was the highlight <laughs> because I could uh, just get up, get up, uh, studying and get up my mind with my mind studying yeah definitely um what about those first say like month were you streaming to three people and five people or did you just immediately have somehow some a huge audience i think in the very very beginning like in the first three five streams i had approximately three five people but uh, then i started growing and it wasn't three five people anymore 10 15 20 and it was pretty fast after that i think That's cool. yeah the, the the first week or two or three weeks where you have three to five people i think are so hard for streamers because you're like what are we doing here? It's hard to see how it's going to change. And yeah, it's a, it's an interesting period. I, I remember, in fact, 
when I stream chess, that's how it is. I have about five viewers, two people talk. We have this great, very small conversation and have a good time. Um, all right, well, ha I'm happy to see that you've been able to do so well. Um, back to your improvement, what do you think is uh, the biggest difference between you trying to improve your game as a child and as an adult? Do you see, uh, and this might be from your teaching or your own experiences, what do you see as the differences between children trying to get better and adults trying to get better at chess? Mm, well, I think um, one of the main differences that uh, a child is more with a clean, uh, clean uh, page, you know, like um, um, at least that's how we say it in Hungarian, that uh, mm. they, they are still about to learn something. But as an adult, you have many ideas how you should play chess. And it's harder to change because uh, you stick to those ideas, even if they are wrong. But as a child, uh, <laughs> as a child, um, it's easier to change or it's easier to learn because um, you don't have any ideas how to do it. You don't have any ideas um, what to do, what how to play, how to calculate. But while as an adult, you already have some ideas or uh, habits, which are harder to change. Gotcha. I've been wondering lately if part of it is also trust. Like kids kind of blindly trust in adults as being authority figures. And like when you get an, a coach as an adult, there's so many coaches with different ideas. Like if a coach just tells you, you need to be playing the dragon and you're like, I don't, I don't play the dragon. Like if a coach told me that, I'd probably be like, I don't play the dragon. And they'd be like, no, <laughs> if I told this to a kid, they would be playing the dragon right now. Yes. Like, I know, but I'm not a kid. I'm not just going to play the dragon. Yes. Yes. Um, I had a conversation with one of my students and I, I told them to change a way of thinking, a way of calculation. But, uh, and he was saying, uh, but I always use this way. Why, why should I change it? It worked before. Well, do you want to improve or not? <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I have to have uh, longer conversations to convince them why it's better than uh, what they are doing. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of fascinating. As an adult, we can cobble together something that allows us to function. And it's so scary to throw that thing away that lets us at least function and trust this other adult who's like, no, no, this will be even better. And you're like, will it, will it? I don't know if I can trust you other adult. I've met a lot of untrustworthy adults in my time. I don't know about this one. Yeah, that's tough. Um, let's talk about your coaching for a bit then. Do you normally coach um, children, adults? Do you sort of have a mix? What is your coaching time like? Mm, it's sort of a mix because uh, I am at Gerbosch Chess. Uh, I don't know if you have heard about them. Uh, they are, um, they provide um, coaching for girls to encourage more girls to play chess because um, I don't know, uh, I think uh, we girls can relate to it because when we play chess or we say um, we play chess, we are told 
Well, that's for old men, no? <laughs> Chess is for old men. Why, why would you play it as a young girl? Mm -hmm. So um, that's what we try to encourage there. And there I have uh, girl children students. But I also have uh, adults. And I, have, I think I have more adults uh, now, more adult students. Okay. And do you have adult, uh, adult improver? as a term that we started using on Twitter to kind of mean like an adult who really is intent on getting better, not just someone who is having fun playing chess. Would you say you have uh, many adult improver students? Yes, I think I think I have. I think more than half uh, okay. my students I like that. All right, what's been your approach? Do you have any specific resources or books that you could, that you generally recommend that you could recommend to the listeners? Is it completely individualized? Like everyone has different needs. What do you think about adult improvers? What, what can help them get better? Mm, I always try to focus on, on their own, own needs. Mm, so it's hard, uh, hard to say that. So not every lesson is uh, the same. I try to, so for example, if someone needs end games then we sit down and we learn end games or if um, uh, I am with someone who is just started playing chess or just a few years into it uh, then we try to find a way of thinking and analyzing lines and uh, calculating lines how to do it how not to do it <laughs> and um, well Mm, I have a few books um, online, um, and not not online. Sorry, uh, on in my database, which are in chess space, and I use those positions and um, those games as an example. And that's that's what I do. Okay. <laughs> when students ask you for recommendations for books, do you usually yes. give them? sort of like a, a reading list of what they should be reading on their own or do you are you mostly providing this material um well uh, i i mostly provide uh these um these to my students i mean not not the whole book but parts of it uh that they should read or they should solve um at, at least that's how it is. Okay. Do you have like a top five list of books that you would recommend? If I said, Frugina, I am struggling. Give me five books that will make me at least less bad than I am now. What What are some books you might recommend to me? Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's, that's a hard question. <laughs> okay. That's fair. We can come back to that question. That, that's but, a tough one. Well, I have a few, maybe not five. Okay, sure. <laughs> well, one of a uh, few of my favorite uh, authors um, is um, uh, well, they wrote endgame books. There is uh, John Nunn, uh, and um, there is another one, um, and this is when I forget the name. <laughs> mm um i i will get back to it okay uh, 
Yes. Karaszewski or Deveretsky, any of these? Deveretsky, yes, yes, okay. thank you. Okay. <laughs> thank you. Hmm. And uh, I also like the book of uh, Seven Deadly Sins. Hmm. Okay. Uh, yes, yes. Interesting. Okay, these seem like great choices. Um, as someone who, who has both had a lot of coaching and coaches a lot of students, can you give uh, listeners any advice for how to get the most out of that coaching relationship? I know it can be, it's, it's an interesting relationship. How can people get the most out of this experience? Hmm. Well, uh, I think uh, first of all, they need to uh, understand that uh, because they have a coach, um, that's a great thing the coach can have. Uh, but I think, first of all, it's uh, needed to understand that um, the coach is there to help you, not to um, solve all your problems, meaning that uh, from now on, from overnight, you will become a much better player because now you have a coach and you don't have to uh, put your own work into it. And um, I think uh, that's what they need to understand. And as an adult learner, I think <clears throat> once uh, they have a coach, it's it's okay to uh, it's okay not to agree with your coach, but then try to ask them uh, why they say what they say if you don't agree with them, and uh, try to understand their point of view and and uh, tell them your concerns. So they will know you better and they can help you better. Okay, I, I like that. Important. Yeah, so ask questions, essentially. When you don't understand something, ask questions. When you disagree, don't just kind of be like, mm, ask questions. This, this is where I'm struggling to understand what you're saying. That sounds great. I, and I really mm -hmm. like your advice that coaches aren't magical, right? Just because you have a coach now, doesn't mean next month you're going to be an IM. It's still, you have to put yeah. in all the work. You just have someone helping you along the way. Have you had that experience at all where lesson one, you're like, what are your goals? And they're like, I want to be a GM in three months. <laughs> um, as a teacher, no, but I, uh, I mean, actually I got, uh, I got an email, but in the end I did not teach them. <laughs> I got an email that uh, they would like to become a, a GM. And uh, <clears throat> I, I, uh, if I can have them in their journey, because it sounds so cool to be a GM. Yeah. And it, it sounds cool, but uh, what uh, they don't understand is the amount of work they need to do to become a GM. And um, the funny yeah. thing is, I, uh, I said, okay, yeah, sure. I can help you with it. I can help you how to start. I mean, not to, uh, I, I wouldn't coach them until they become a GM, just uh, how to start, where to, where to start. And I wrote them, I wrote them an answer email that uh, how much amount of work, uh, time, and also money because uh, they need to participate in international tournaments, mm -hmm. uh, which is unfortunately just is not a, a cheap hobby. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, I explained that and I have never got an email, an answer. <laughs> yeah, I imagine that's really hard to hear if you don't know the chess world and it just seems cool to be a GM. Just knowing that you have to like travel the world and go to these norm tournaments and they cost a lot of money to even enter. And then you probably won't get your norm. 
yeah, it'd be overwhelming to learn about the first time. Speaking of tournaments, do you have any over the board tournaments coming up or do you not have time with streaming? How does that work? Do you, do you have time for over the board chess? Mm, well, maybe I will uh, participate in the European chess championship. Mm, that's, that's a possibility. And also the World Amateur Chess Championship uh, in the end of the year. And those are what I plan to, maybe, maybe I plan to play on them. And well, maybe in the summer when I go to Greece again, um, there was a great tournament last year in Palahora and it would be nice to participate again. And maybe maybe a few smaller ones in Budapest or in, in my hometown, Kecskemét, but that will depend on my mood. <laughs> Will it also depend if there's an international arbiter there? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> that'll, that'll be a little frustrating to get yet another norm. And well, we didn't yeah. have an arbiter of this one either. <laughs> oh boy. Um, well, this has been pretty fascinating stuff. Uh, you said you were you've been streaming end games recently. I too have been really trying to dive into my end games. I think we're in radically different spots with your end games. Uh, what sort of end game work have you been doing on your stream? Is it theoretical positions? Are you pulling some positions out of your, your books on chess base and going through them? What kind of work have you been doing? Um, both theoretical positions um, and non-theoretical positions. So for example, uh, that a great example to show uh, what you need, for example, um, when Let's say um, there is a different color, uh, different uh, color bishops on the board, and those are infamously Jewish. Mm -hmm. uh, but there are a few cases when they are not. And I, for example, try to show when um, when you get into that those positions, what you need to do. If you have two pawns and your opponent has nothing, then what is better having connected pawns or separated pawns? Um, where to put your pawns on, on of course, uh, on the different color uh, square, not on your own uh, bishop square, uh, on your own bishop's color. And um, well, it was a little bit of everything. Rook and games, a little bit of rook and games, knight and games, bishop and games, spoon and games. So a little bit of everything, but wasn't um, I didn't cover everything uh, fully. Just it was a sort of introduction. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Yeah, I'm gonna have to make sure I uh, check this out. Is this something that's ongoing, or is that like a one-off stream that you did focusing on end games? I plan to do more. I plan to do more. I'm not sure there will be now or in the next week. Um, it depends what I set my mind to. <laughs> okay. Well, that sounds fun to me. Um, well, Fruji, it's been really great to talk to you. Thank you so much for coming on Chess Journeys this week. It sounds like you're on the cusp of, you know, having to make a really tough choice. Do I go for these norms? Do I not go for these norms? So, Make sure you stay in touch. Uh, I want to be able to update our audience because I imagine everyone at home is like, go for the norms, <laughs> you know, because they don't have to do the work, right? They can sit back and watch you go for the norm. So 
Uh, if you do decide to go for it, let us know. We'll, we'll all be rooting for you. Uh, so where can people reach you if they want to get in contact with you? Maybe follow up about your norms or coaching or any other advice you might have. Um, well, um, they can contact me on chess.com or uh, come to my stream and ask me there or maybe on Discord if they have Discord. Those are the, those are, those are the ones that uh, I can. Okay. And what's your stream uh, title again? Or Sorry? handle? What's your what's your Twitch handle? Um, it's Zephyr, like uh, my chess.com uh, okay. username. And I'll I'll yes. link those in the show notes so you can find Fuji. Okay, and then if you want to contact me, best place is probably Doctor Skull on Twitter. Contact me at chess.com. I do stream occasionally at Doctor Skull underscore Tiny Grimes. Yes. Usually going over Fisher's 60 memorable games. We're only on about number 11. You can stop by for that. And I've started putting stuff on my YouTube channel, some previews. I put the top 10 books I read in 2021. So you can stop by that. That's also Dr. Skull. So thank you so much, Fruji. It's a real pleasure to hear your journey. And uh, to everyone else out there, I hope you have an awesome journey this week. And if not, that's all right. Come back next week. We'll have some more tips for you to help you on your way. Thanks so much, everybody. Goodbye.